This is Cade Massey, practice professor at the Wharton School. On this week's episode of Wharton Moneyball, we talked to Thomas Dimitrov, longtime general manager in the NFL with the Atlanta Falcons, before that personnel with the New England Patriots. Now running Sumer Sports, we talked what it's like to be a general manager and what we don't know. We analysts, we naive non-general managers. Interesting behind-the-scenes conversation with Thomas Dimitrov. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Wharton Moneyball on Business Radio. Welcome. Welcome to Wharton Moneyball here on SiriusXM. Coming to you from the SiriusXM Business Radio studio in Huntsman Hall. Whole crew is here. Eric Bradlow is here. Audie Weiner is here. Shane Jensen is here. And... Our guest is here. Welcome on to the show for the first time, Thomas Dimitrov, famed longtime GM, Atlanta Falcons, before that personnel man with the New England Patriots, about to have heard about those guys. Now, CEO of Sumer Sports, Sumer burst onto the landscape in the last year, has been on a hiring spree of some of the very best people, great fun. They have one of the great missions that we've heard about in our 10 years having these conversations. It's a pleasure to have you on the show, Thomas. Thank you. I am honored. I've been listening to you guys here and there and, and have so many great things being said about you all from Eric Eager and the likes. So thanks for having me. I really do appreciate it. Absolutely. Can't wait to talk. Absolutely. What are you thinking about this time of year? It's, uh, you know, football is already the, I'm, I'm sorry, baseball guys, the dominant sport in North America. And they've done a real nice job in recent years of taking over the offseason too. You know, you think we're still in the wake of the Super Bowl. We might not be paying attention. And yet, you know, I see your your screen behind you is highlights of football. We're talking about free agency this week. That's just to fill the time between conversations about the draft. What what are you paying attention to right now in March? Well, I mean, normally in March, as a, as a former general manager, my head is so wrapped up in trying to build teams, of course, and making big decisions and looking at the owner, taking big swallows during free agency and telling Arthur Blank over those <laughs> many years, yes, sir, this is worth 30 million, 100 million, whatever it may be. I mean, look, these are, these are interesting times for some of my contemporaries. I still call my, my buddies. We still talk about opportunities and potential you know, situations around the league. It's it's interesting. A lot of people think that, you know, it's it's very protected. And I I would say to most people, general managers, interestingly enough, as we know, it's pyramidal, right? So, you know, down in the bottom, that 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 level at the bottom is providing information all the way up to the top to the head coach and the general manager. And the head coach and the general manager never want your people to talk to anyone. <laughs> but as you're at the top of it, you're calling your buddies, your close ones, right? Okay. And you're discussing players, you're discussing potential trades, not collusion. Let me make sure I'm very clear <laughs> about that. It's just, it's probably like in your business, right? From an academic standpoint, you're, you're, you're calling about white papers and studies and other amazing, amazing, amazing things you guys are doing in academia. And it, and it means something to discuss, you know, what's out there. You learn around some of the greatest minds, I think in football and for me to ever have an opportunity whether your fan base likes him or not, I mean, I, I think Bill Belichick is one of the most brilliant coaches, of course, out there. Mm-hmm. And I always enjoyed reaching out to him during this time of year, mm. even though if you guys remember, he dissuaded me from trading up for Julio Jones. Mm. He, he, he said that literally you will be plagued with that move the rest of your career um, just because he was looking out for me. But the point is, there's a lot of discussion amongst a lot of us, and it's, it's kind of fascinating this time of year. Mm-hmm. 
as in the GM seat, you have to worry about a lot more than the rest of us have to worry about, even compared to what you had to worry about as national scout or head of college scouting. What do you think the analytics community is missing in these conversations? One of the things I've really enjoyed about your podcast with Eric is that you guys kind of have this the 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 give and take between the analytics guy and the non-analytics guy. And I think it's really valuable to have someone f- 12 years GM experience who's interested in analytics and, and enthusiastic about analytics but has a broader perspective than just analytics. So what as an as we kind of represent the analytics community here, what do you think we miss? And football football analytics community has gotten big and kind of rabid in the last 10 years. What do you think we need to do better, think differently about? What are we missing? Well, I, I want to lead in by saying there is no question there is going to be an amazing shift in the NFL toward understanding and grasping and and uh, welcoming analytics, right? It, there's definitely an evolutionary uh, element going on right now. A lot of these GMs out there and, and rising executives want to know more and and know that it can be helpful and know that you can use analytics and all of that criminally underutilized data that's out there for these teams is right at their right at their at their feet and they know that if they augment it properly they know this that they could make them their 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 decisions their interaction with the owner and the head coach exponentially better but they too many times just don't have the the space the the headspace and the time to really dig into it, really. So, what I would say is, we could. We, I personally believe, gentlemen, we could bring thirty-two general managers around this table right now. And first of all, everyone would raise their hands and say, "A, this is not an exact science," which we all know that's not that's not rocket science, of course. B, they know that they are sitting on the edge of their seat and shooting from the side, you know, from their hip at times on 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 moves and acquisitions that a lot of us think, okay, they're really, really dialed in on that move. We could all <laughs> raise our hands and say, oh my God, really? We, we actually dodged a bullet on A, B, and C and X, Y, and Z because we just weren't as thought out as we should have been mm-hmm. or could have been. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. that same 32 would say to me, guys, they would say, I'm also going to raise my hand and say, of the major mistakes, and I do it myself, that I made in the league, they were not on the player. They were on the person. This is, I mean, everyone's mm. always trying to measure the subjective, right? But when those guys tell me that, that that's, a, that's a really, really revealing issue that we have. So my feeling has always been, okay, let's get better about the Vic Beasley's of the world. Do you guys remember who Vic, Vic Beasley was? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So Def- Vic defensive is you player for the Falcons. Draft, right, and we, we drafted him. Dan Quinn and I drafted him. We thought he was going to be the heir apparent and going to be with us the three and four contracts. Unbelievable athlete, unbelievable numbers. I mean, the data on him as as we as we uh, studied it, we thought no problem. This is this guy's the guy. Looked great. Never drank in his life. Never partied in his life. And and yet we knew that he was lacking in passion and drive and and sort of dedication to his to the sport as good as he was. Remember, we draft him. He wins. He wins the sack title the year we get to the Super Bowl. We get our butts kicked, unfortunately, in that game against Bill and the Patriots. The next year, he comes back and he just fizzles. Right? The the passion again, wonderful soul, but the passion was just not there. Mm-hmm. We missed on the passion. <clears throat> Interestingly enough, we thought 
our coaches thought. This is a really interesting thing. Don't don't get me started on coaches. And I have a lot of love for a lot of coaches. <laughs> but there are also coaches out there that try to tell us as GMs, I can change that guy from being an arbitrary number is a four for us, right? In our grading scale. Yeah. I can change him from being average passion to being six, a six or a seven, which yeah. is good or very good. Yeah. Can't categorically. I know him. I know his coach from Clemson. I know this. I know that. And sure as sh- uh, I'm not supposed to swear on here. Right? You can. But, Shinola. Shinola. <laughs> sure as Shinola, Shinola as it is, he ends up fizzling out because we knew what we saw there and we overlooked it and we thought we could overrun it with all the data that we had and all the great stuff that he brought to the table and we missed. So a long-winded way of saying, gentlemen, I just think if we as the football crowd can come and sit down with the Eric Eagers of the world, and I tell Eric all the time, I said, Eric, if I ever got another opportunity in the NFL, there is no question that I would have a data scientist beside me as one of my main guys, whether it's a chief of staff or hmm. whether it was an assistant GM, because there is so much there, there is so much discussion that we can have, open-minded discussion that we could have that I think could open up doors beyond what anyone's doing right now. Well, Thomas, I, I just want to respond. I mean, I know Eric well, and I know the spreadsheets, but I don't think passion is a, var- a variable on that list. So if you're going to use it and ask a data scientist to use it, you're going to have to have a way to measure it, and you have to go back and check and make sure that it's working the way you think. And do you think that's possible? I mean, this is one of the intangibles that hangs out there as important but isn't being measured. One of the things that I've discussed about this is it's a it's a really good question. And I, I, I bust our guys a lot because I'm like, we pay you a lot of money, Eric. So even though it is way out there and, and, and almost um, undescribable or undetectable, at least in our minds right now, let's find something out there in, in our quest for advanced analytics in leadership and passion and desire. And let's see how we can. It's never going to be perfect, of course, far from that. But. My feeling has always been, let's find some elements that are going to indicate passion, desire, leadership, even even if it's a percentage of whatever it is. I would rather that be the case than than not have anything at all. I've said that in a lot of these areas from a former, like I'm a scout at the core, and we've we're in the middle of creating these these um, what we're calling our, our 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 football our metric trees. And, and probably if you take a quarterback's metric tree that has 15 metrics, five of those are ob- objective. And unfortunately, 10 of them might be subjective, right? Or, mm-hmm. or maybe it's half. Mm-hmm. How do we, we know the objective ones. So let's, let's kick the crap out of those, right? Let's, let's kill those. Let's, 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 let's be perfect, as close to perfect as we can. And then those other five or seven that we're looking at, let's try to find levels that we can dig at to potentially reveal something. And that's my answer to your question, because I know it's not, I know it's really, really complicated, but do we take passion and do we do some, do uh, discipline? Do we look at discipline and start looking at the penalties that someone has, um, you know, uh, whether that's procedure or whether that's rough play, whether that's drug issues that he's had and he's, and he's, you know, been busted three different times in the NFL, whatever it may be, how can we pull something together to give us some indication of what discipline would be for that individual. Thomas, let's talk a little bit about the 23 draft. Um, You know, we're always disproportionately obsessed with quarterbacks, and every now and then we're blessed with an especially rich quarterback draft, and this seems like a pretty good one. We've got got four guys that people expect to go at the top, somewhere in the top half maybe of the first round. We have already seen some moves 
some big choices by the Bears to stick with Justin Fields and to take the haul they could get. How are you thinking about the quarterback draft of 23, and how are you thinking about drafting quarterbacks in general as you, as you observe it from your current position? So I, I, I'll lead in by saying I was very fortunate to have, of course, Matt Ryan. He's a PA guy for you guys, mm-hmm. right? I mean, mm-hmm. he, what he did for us over those years, that was my very first pick to ever you know, pick a player wow. as, a, as a dog, the lead dog in the seat. Wasn't easy, believe me. We had we had people around our city who wanted us to take a D tackle or a running back. I, I won't even tell you some of the people that were in my ear over that those times. <laughs> we knew we needed a quarterback, of course. We 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 reached not reached. We uh, made our move, and we were not looking back on it with Matt Ryan. By the way, Matt Ryan played 14 years for the for the Falcons. One and a half games missed. Think about that. And believe Incredible. me, I'm not proud to say this. He got his ass pummeled sometimes. I mean, he really did. I mean, and yet he was a tough hombre, man. He, I love the way he played. Really, really important. I won't get into evaluation um, ele- elements of it because there, we just talked about it on our, on our last episode with, with Eric because there is so much there on the evaluation of quarterbacks. Suffice it to say, your quarterback is the way you go. We know that. I also believe 100% that as a general manager – you are truly evaluated by not only how you evaluate that that quarterback coming into the league, how you know how you sign him and how you maintain that quarterback over the years. I'm not just saying that because Matt was with us for me with 12 years. I am saying that you can be the best uh, general manager out there if you're not hitting on your quarterbacks. That's a that's a tough road to travel, right? So yeah. these these guys right now that are in their spots. Let's let's if you don't mind, we, let's start with Ryan Poles going into his second year. He makes a big time move here, right? Mm-hmm. He makes a big time move because he believes a that he's going to stay with with uh, Justin Fields. I mean, to have a quarterback like that—that's a number one big move in of itself, right, gentlemen? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not only giving your fan base and the media out there the, the 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 check mark that you're staying with the guy, but what it's done is done a great thing for the organization, the player himself, the quarterback himself, and the organization to believe and get behind Fields. That's a big thing in making that move. That, that they know that they can stay there. They also, you know, they trade the way they traded there very quickly. When you're, when you're talking about bringing in a receiver as they have, they'll be in that group. They'll also be able to look at a tight end. When they've done what they've done, traded back, acquired more ability to, to pick people up in the draft. To me, I've always said this. If you can, if you can make those moves and check, check the boxes and then in the draft, you're able to, to sit where you are. You have a quarterback to grow with and you can take care of a couple moves in free agency, then you can focus on the draft. To me, that is a much more settling feeling than going into the draft with the precariousness of a draft, and you've not logged any of those acquisitions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying spend frivolously, but that was part of how we did things, you know, in those years. And and without getting off on uh, talking about Atlanta, you know, we did it with Michael Turner early on with Matt Ryan. We did it with Tony Gonzalez when we brought him in. And every year we did it with Alex Mack as a, as a center from uh, Cleveland. We built some, some pillar players through free agency. And then we tried, of course, to, to supplement with, with uh, or build through the draft, obviously. So, and supplement with free agency. So quarterbacks, uh, you guys want to pepper me with more questions. The quarterback class, you know, it's nice to be back there where there's a quarterback class, but I am telling you right now, and I love Scott Fitterer, Scott Fitterer now in his going into after three years, going to his fourth year, that's a tough situation to be in. 
you have to pick the right quarterback. I don't think Frank Reich has the pressure on him that Scott Fitterer has. Mm-hmm. And I, I think Scott is a really good football man, but he's got an owner right now in David Tepper who wants a quarterback desperately. Think about that, the pressure you're putting on that number one quarterback, whether that's Young or Stroud or someone else who everyone starts talk, talking about like because he had a great combine. Mm-hmm. I'm not being facetious here, that he should be considered the first overall pick. Well, but that, Man, does, that does raise an interesting question. I mean, I don't know about number one, but there's this general question of are we better at developing quarterbacks than we used to be? For the longest time, the conventional wisdom became a guy's not, never going to throw for a higher completion percentage in the NFL than he did in college. You've seen his ceiling. And then, you know, we've seen that blown away by Josh Allen. And it raises the possibility that maybe we're now able to develop quarterbacks, which, of course, is very alluring to the coaches and the scouts who see someone like Anthony Richardson and think, yeah, he hasn't done all that much in the field so far, but look at that athlete and we can and we can mold him. We're more confident now we can mold him. Is that legit or is that still just a fantasy? No, I, I do believe that. I think there is there is a movement towards being able to develop quarterbacks. I think a big part of developing quarterbacks is making sure that you are very, very stout not only with your head coach and that relationship between your head coach and your quarterback is vital, but you move down the line. If your your coordinator and your, your position coach, your quarterback coach have to be so in tune with how you are going to, you are going to develop this quarterback and, and not only the, the physical side of working with them and, and helping that quarterback grow, but putting him in the right scheme and being creative with how you can make sure you're taking the pressure off of that quarterback while he develops. We, again, back to Michael Turner, he, you know, we had a running back that was going to take the pressure off of Matt Ryan in year one, two, and three. And we believe that Matt Ryan, we really were trying to press him in those early years to be an incremental leader. In no way did we expect that leader to come in here, pound his chest, and rule the roost out the gate. Mm-hmm. You can't do it, I don't believe. Mm-hmm. Maybe in the old days you could. I think making sure that you bring the quarterbacks along, not only, again, you know, not only uh, – you know, um, uh, not only just, you know, the the um, mechanics of it all, but also the schematic element of it all. And, and I brought this up the other day, gentlemen, I don't know what you feel. If you had a quarterback that you saw had all the ability in the world, let's say Richardson, whoever it is, you knew that he was lacking in certain areas. And yet you also knew that you had to walk this new kid that you're going to have come into your building or figuratively and literally around the building. You're going to have to, you know, get him his own office. I don't want to start talking about Russell Wilson. That's not fair because I like George Payton a lot. I don't, I mean, you, you know, his own parking spot, you have his own uh, massage therapist, his own dietitian, and you are just completely surrounding that quarterback with everything. Would you do that? Or would you be worried about the deleterious effects of putting all of that effort into that quarterback or, or would you not do it? Because there are some people out there that say they would do it with, the receiver, but not the quarterback. And there's a lot of jealousies within buildings, right? Right. So, I, you know, would you do it if you thought that was going to make him the best quarterback possible? So, Thomas, let me ask you, um, how much do you, when you were both the GM and also when you're doing your work at Sumer, how much do you think about what I'll call team-dependent or context-dependent drafting? What I mean by that is maybe you have Bryce Young rated the highest, but not mm-hmm. for us. How much do you think about for our coach, our receivers, our system, this is the right quarterback, or it's just better is better. How do you think about that? No, look, I it's a, it's another good question. I am a I am a big believer in in sort of needs motivated. 
and and I've um, look, I've I've got taken shots on it by the by the Atlanta people and the Atlanta media. Like, why aren't you just taking the best player out there, whether it's best player in general or whether it's the best player at the position? Because I am a huge believer in you need to look at the whole picture, you know, with the players that you're bringing in. And there are times, and I learned this um, from Bill Belichick. I mean, Bill was great. Again, no matter where you are on the spectrum of believing in Bill and Bill's approach or reticence, whatever it may be that that he has that might not settle with you, you know, Bill was great about looking at those one, two, and three different things uh, with the players that we had there and making sure that they fit in with our system with the Patriots. And he really didn't care what anyone else said out there. And if if he thought that this one player, Mike Vrabel, for instance, as a player, did three or four things better than anyone in the league, even though there was someone or five or seven guys out there that did 10 things better than him. If, if the organization only needed him to play uh, and excel in those three or four spots, you're damn right. That's where he is going. He is going to spend his time. He may not take him at the first pick, but he may say justifiably, we don't need to take an outside linebacker at the, in the number, you know, number one slot. We'll take him in the third round because he fits the system the oil organization and the coaching staff better. Mm-hmm. That's a great example of considerations that analysts don't give enough weight to. And we can debate the merits of it, but there's so many other pressures in the building that the GM has to navigate. And that's just the practical reality of it. Thomas, invaluable to get some time with you. Thanks for making time for us this afternoon. Well, I, I really enjoyed talking with you. I hope I didn't speak too much here, guys. Anytime. No, As we, we get closer to the draft, let me know if you need me. We, we will probably take you up on that. Thank you. Thomas Dimitrov, CEO of Super Sports, former GM of the Atlanta Falcons. Before that, personnel man with the multi-champion New England Patriots, Thomas Dimitrov. All right, guys, that has been another Wharton Moneyball here on SiriusXM. For the whole team, Audie Weiner, Eric Bradlow, Shane Jensen, this has been Cade Massey. Thank you guys for listening. Come back and join us next time. Between now and then... Enjoy your sports.